this is the place to be. For living is the life for me. Land spreading out so far and wide. Keep Manhattan, just give me that countryside. New York is where I'd rather stay. I got allergic smelling hay. But give me Park Avenue. All right, everybody, everybody, everybody. The chores. The chores. Fresh, Fresh air. Times Square. You Green want my wife. wife. Goodbye, City Life. Green, Green Acres, we are there. All previous episodes of Green Acres, Green Acres on Free Farm Friday. <laughs> In the Founders Trading Post store. I mean, <laughs> crusademax.com. And uh, you can get many of them on the new Christendom Daily Podcast. By the by, you know, I, I, I was supposed to do this earlier. Uh, so just humor me for a moment, guys. We have a, a new group. Uh, this is some guys I used to do business with on the old station in the old country. They used to send me lots of live ads and they contacted me about three, about a month ago. And like, Hey King, you're still doing radio. We see, would you be interested in doing some live ads for some new campaigns some new clients that we have? And I said, well, send them to me. Let me look at them. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll think about it. Well, I looked at a bunch of them and I, I did pick this one because I think that the product is, especially in this time and age is necessary. It's called Genesis Gold. Yes, it's named for the book of Genesis. And in Genesis Gold, uh, what they do is they are a precious metal company and they believe in educating their customers. They're not a bunch of used car salesmen out to make a quick sale and a quick buck. Genesis Gold Group focuses on customer service, not sleazy marketing. Genesis Gold Group is named after the first book of the Bible for a reason. Proper stewardship of wealth is their specialty. So find out why they've earned a five out of five rating through the Better Business Bureau and how they might be able to help you secure your wealth or retirement through physical precious metals. I know a lot of you guys are into metal. You're into gold and silver. If you are buying it and you don't have a regular that you go to, consider Genesis Gold. If you aren't buying it and you're considering it and you've been told it's a good idea, consider Genesis Gold. Now make sure you call this phone number. Don't call any other number. Don't go to their website. Only call this number. Yes, there will be human beings that will answer the phone. 800 761 1561 800-761-1561 that's 800-761-1561 I told you earlier today if they go through with 1.7 trillion dollars in deficit spending that devalues the paper currency you have in your hand by 1.7 trillion dollars aggregate don't let them do it to you. Gold and silver is one way to secure what you currently have. So call Genesis Gold today. Tell them I sent you. 800-761-1561. The ad will be up on the crusadechannel.com website later today. If you can't remember the number, you'll find it on the homepage. 1-800-761-1561. All right, let's get to the uh, Free Farm Friday. 
uh, festivities here. We haven't talked to uh, Brian Kay in a couple of weeks, a uh, master farmer and biologist with the Texas Department of whatever it is that he works for. <laughs> and he is on the Dude Maker hotline from Wharton, Texas. Oh, it sounds like he's moving. I am. I'm en route to Bay City, Texas. I'm going to talk to fourth graders. Hey, that's about, awesome. Yeah, about soil, of all things. Well, they need talks about soil because they probably either don't know anything about it or have been lied to about it. They, they do. I tell you, uh, there's there's some there's definitely some interest in it. I did the same thing in another area last week and uh, had a lot of interest and uh, good feedback. So I'm kind of looking forward to it. I've been I've been well traveled this month and already and last month. So. Good, good to be back. Yeah, let me, uh, all right, let, let, let's go back to where we uh, began uh, the gay conversation here today. Hang on just a second, BK. Uh, Mitter Monday, Dan Monday, the old farmer uh, from central New Jersey, is also on the Green Acres Free Farm Friday hotline. Yes, Mitter Monday, how are you? I hate the cold. <laughs> I should not call you the old farmer. I should call you the old curmudgeon. Why do you hate the cold, bro? Because I'm too old for the cold. Plus, <laughs> everything I'm staring at right now is dead. D E D dead. <laughs> we had a couple of really hard frost. Well, we had a couple hard frosts, so things are dead. But I knew it was coming. So you know what? We uh, 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 let, let me bring Brian. Did you have frost? Two yeah, nights we ago. had a light frost. We had a light frost yesterday. So did we. I didn't. I didn't lose anything. I had some burned leaves on some okra and some uh, uh, winter squash, but uh, other than that, I mean, I made it through pretty unscathed. But uh, it's still dry. You know, it, it's raining all around us, but we're we're still uh, sitting in a in a dry spot. So, dude, I think some rain would have helped. But. It has not, all the grass is brown, and that's not because it's gotten cold. It has not rained here uh, in 17 days now. And looking at the long-term forecast, uh, there it, it doesn't look like, the, I, I don't know, maybe in 10 days or whatever. Uh, we are in a, a, a waterless cycle here across the south. And again, I believe that this is a result of the Honga Tonka, Honga High uh, volcanic eruption that put all that water vapor into the upper atmosphere. There's nothing we can do about it, except when it does rain, make sure we collect as much as we can, and uh, we can we can talk about that. But I want to ask both of you: What do you think about my plan for new for a new homestead act? You guys. Brian, you go first. Okay, all right. I, I think it's a great idea. You know, uh, we, we have to keep in mind, though, a lot of that BLM land is uh, more suited for grazing. So, you know, and it, it's you're going to need probably larger plots of land or, or work together with, with your neighbors and run so you can run larger herds and rotate the cattle. Um, but, you know, that's, that's one big takeaway. It's, it's, it's Better, like I said, a lot of the land's better suited for grazing. A lot of it does have grazing leases on it already. Uh, but then, uh, you know, depending on, you know, because all the other farmland that for, you know, growing crops has kind of been taken away and taken up. And uh, 
so that, but that, but I, I mean, I do like the idea, uh, and I think you know, scaling down the food system and and our food supply to to more local, you know, local and regional levels is is definitely the answer. Now, uh, mid or Monday, back in the day, we used to have these things called Land Grand Con, which just might be something that, that they would uh, kind of be interested in. Um, a Homestead Act, though, when you could be a, a federal Homestead Act, but you could also have Homestead Acts in the states. The states also claim that they own land, uh, that they have turned into these things called state parks. Well, there's, there's there's plenty of land, but we just got to make sure, like everything else, it isn't done. Uh, well, this is a family show, right? Half, uh, half, uh, what's the right word, miniature? Half. Half dairy aired. There we go. Half dairy aired. <laughs> because, and a lot of this is they're working on it, but if we don't get the health departments in line, if we don't get the ability to do small scale slaughter, whether it's on your farm or whether they're small scale slaughterhouses, if we don't open up the ability for retail outlets for these kinds of people, all it is is more pissing in the wind. They got to do it right. Now, now there are there are acts that have been passed now in at least a half a dozen states where land that uh, could have there was okay. I know at least one state land that was owned by the Chinese Communist Party. They basically, by act of the legislature, I forget which state it was, told the Chicoms, "We're taking the land back from you." And we're canceling the sale. You can't own land in our state. I think that this is indeed the, the correct course of action. At the same time, you have these people like Bill Gates and others that have gone around and have purchased and brought up so much land. Your major ag producers own, uh, I would imagine, Dan and, and Brian. Hundreds of millions of acres that they use for this stuff called monoculture. Um I don't know how you get, maybe just by removing the subsidy for the ethanol and the corn. Brian, do you think that that would knock the some of the monoculture, kick it in the uh, kick it in the groin and kneecap some of it? Uh, yeah, it, actually, they did that in New Zealand. Uh, I can't remember how many years ago, but they ended subsidies. I think every across the board. And it allowed the farmers to diversify their operations, and they became profitable. And, and actually, uh, I think uh, the land became healthier as well. Um, you, know, you know, it's funny. We, we have this, this farm bill, and, you know, every every few years, the new farm bill comes up. Yep. Well, you have two parts of it, and it's both run by the USDA. And you have the commodity end of it, and then you have the conservation end of it. And I, I, I was actually, I've been, this is really fresh on my mind because I've been working on some stuff in South Texas where it, we're, you know, it's involved with the USDA. We're not really directly involved, but I'm, I'm interested because it affects some of the work I'm doing. And... You know, it, it was, I, I, I kind of knew this already, but it became a light bulb to me when, you know, the, the guy from the Natural Resources Conservation Service, USDA, you know, explained the commodity versus the, the, uh, the uh, conservation. And I'm like, no wonder we don't do it. We can't get anything done because these are working against each other in the same farm bill. So the, 
at one end, they're getting huge payments to, to grow monocultures, basically. And then on the other end, they're getting huge payments to supposedly, you know, conserve the soil. But everywhere you go, especially when it's dry, you drive around and there's a tractor in the field and it's a huge dust cloud. Or, you know, a big windstorm comes up. You know, I thought we ended the dust bowl. You know, that, 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 was, that was what we were supposed to do. But, every, you know, you go out in, you know, certain places and there's dust storms everywhere. So, so it, it's, it's, you know, I, th- I think the bigger problem is, yeah, I think, I think subsidies and, 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 you know, commodity farming is, 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 is detrimental. And then at the same time, it, you can't, you know, you got to be a certain size to play the game. That's and, right. And so, and, and, who is the know, guy that said go big or go home? Gosh, uh, USDA. Uh, oh, was, that, was that Purdue? It was Purdue. Purdue. USA. Yeah. You know, speaking of, put Brian on hold for just a second. A little news item that I saw that we could talk about here on Free Farm Friday. I don't know if either one of you two saw it. Uh, back in the 1970s, uh, an upstart chicken. Uh, chicken raising outfit uh, that was run by and owned by a guy named Don Tyson. Tyson Chicken became a major, major uh, supplier of chicken across the Southeast and across the United States. Don Tyson, uh, and this was all done in Arkansas, was was a major contributor and campaign supporter of one William Jefferson Blythe Clinton while he was governor of, of Arkansas. People may not know this, uh, but Don Tyson also banked rolled an awful lot uh, Clinton's uh, primary campaigns in 1992 and then backed him of course for the presidency. Tyson Farms was one of the benef- major beneficiaries of the ag bills that would come after that in monoculture and the SNAP program. So that's how the game is played. You, 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 put, you put the big money up, you get your guy elected, the guy in turn goes through the supplemental nutrition asset or asset protection or whatever SNAP stands for these days. And you get paid back in spades by the the federal government purchasing your products for distribution to the poor. Now, I bring Tyson Farms up because I don't know if you guys saw this. Tyson Farms is committed like $30 million to buy, to buy to building a you-will-eat-the-bugs factory in the Netherlands. Either one of you two see this? Oh, yeah, I sent you that article a few weeks ago, Medicare. They, they bought a big stake in it. They're going to build a plant over here that's supposed to be three or four times anything that's in the Netherlands. So uh, this is alarming here. You have a major, major monoculture uh, alleged food supplier in Tyson Chicken now saying, so this tells me, Mittermundi, you know the government aspect of this. This tells me that Tyson has been assured that government subsidies totaling in the hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars for you will eat the bug bug farms is already either there or is in the pipeline. You agree? Oh, yeah. These things have been in the pipeline for a while. I, they wouldn't be committing the kind of money they were if they didn't feel that this was going to be something that there was going to be a going concern for them. And, you know. And the more I think about it, Mediterranean, I mean, as much as I love the idea of a, a reinvigoration of the Homestead Act and, and moving people back to the land, let's face it, we're, you know, what it's going to end up doing is creating even more of a divide and a segregation in the country. Why do you think it's going to create a separate... Are those turkeys I hear in the background? 
Yeah, they're all wandering around out here with me. I got I got this batch out grazing right now. <laughs> uh, Mitter Coke, had you seen the story that Mitter Monday forwarded along about Tyson uh, Tyson Foods uh, doing this huge investment in You Will Eat the Bug Factory? I did. I saw it in a couple places. I think I saw it in uh, Free Farm Chat. And, uh, I saw it in another deal. And yeah, it's, but it, yeah, it's it's but it's not surprising. I mean, you you know, look at look at like look at what a lot of these oil companies are doing, committing suicide by going green. You know, it's like does, does this this doesn't make sense. You know, you're investing in something that goes against your whole you know what created your company, you know, and, um, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I just, uh, unless, unless they're going to feed all those bugs to chickens. <laughs> but I, I, I don't think so. Well, they're not. Uh, well, they, they, these mealworms is part of the you will eat the bugs, but they're talking about growing the bugs that have the exoskeleton that uh, basically poisons humans. The, there is no good ending to, to any and all this. Let me go back to my idea about the uh, of the Homestead Act and and of a of a re uh, a re upping or a, or a, a new Homestead Act, which again I think RFK Jr. had talked about and had mentioned. Imagine a farmer though, like Will Harris. That if in the state of Georgia, that uh, say there was a homestead with a guardianship clause where, look, we'll give you the homestead, uh, the, this uh, uh, amount of land, uh, but you can, you have to agree to farm it and farm it a certain way. And there, there are in Georgia, here's an official guardian of regenerative practices, Will Harris. In Texas, here is an official guardian of, of regenerative practices. Practices, Brian Koch. Here in Virginia, an official guardian of regenerative practices is Joel Salatin. Uh, I think he could work. Um, and, and these are obviously would be voluntary uh, positions with some sort of a stipend. But I think you take the idea of the USDA, you undo it, and then you would make like what you, they used to call back in the day privy councils. And you want smart guys that know about regenerative farmers to be on those councils. And for them to be the ones going like, no, that we're, the, the, the rules for that land are thus. And it's not you know, so that you have a bureaucracy. Is so that it's actually done correctly. Now, Mayor Monday, does that soften your uh, your your stance against the new Homestead Act a little bit? I didn't explain myself well. Um, in the areas where the greatest population is, where they need the food, where the local food would would make a difference and be better for everybody. It's all great on paper to them. It's all great on for apple picking Saturday. It's all great when they go out for the pumpkin patch. But when they have to live next to it and follow the tractor and they have to deal with it, you know, the smell, they want nothing to do with it. it it's a typical country city divide. And the more you try to put it in, you know, and, and then what, where will the government come on this? The people like, you know, us that are trying to do some things, they're going to come in and raid our goat dairy and shut us down. And they're going to do well what they did to Amos, what's his name out there in Pennsylvania, and confiscate all his meat. And that's how they're going to attack us if we start getting big. I said, remember we talked about how, how do we 
how do we stay under the radar? And by doing what you want to do, it's going to put us right, you know, I ain't going to need radar. We're going to be right out there. So I'm, that's why I get a little leery. Ah, okay, I got you. So I, the, uh, I don't trust them, Medicare. I don't trust them. <laughs> <laughs> well, the more they tinker with the tink, the, wor- the worse yeah, it gets. The more they over, yeah, more they overtink the plumbing, the easier it is. The more they overtink the plumbing, the, 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 the worse I think it is. All right, so um, uh, count me as in, but as uh, colored and jaded for a, a, a new Homestead Act. But And maybe I was thinking too large. Maybe we're only talking about uh, two-acre and five-acre plots, Brian. Smaller plots for smaller farmers, and by definition, you can't do monoculture on them. And if somebody's going to come along and go like, but, but, but that makes it unfair. They get land and we get nothing. We're stuck in the suburbs. Isn't that the whole point? Well, this is how you get out of the suburbs. This is how you get out of the city. Oh, I mean, it makes total sense. But the problem is, you know, people complain and, and, and gripe about things. But when it, 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 you, you offer them the option, how many are actually going to take it? Well, yeah. you don't know how bad does it get. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Does an eggs go to a dollar an egg? Do people go like, screw that, I'm going to buy me some chicks. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I took my in-laws live in Albuquerque, and there's murders happening right down the street from them. And I say, why don't y'all get out of there and move? Well, the weather's nice. Oh, it is. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, then well. <laughs> don't, don't complain. You know. Yeah, if you end up on an on an episode of Investigation Discovery, I'm going to tell the interviewer that I told you to leave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, don't complain if, if you're not willing to make a change. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how many times I have to say, yeah, you're going to be uncomfortable. Deal with it. You know, it, it's it's we weren't created for comfort. You know, we we're created for greatness, and you know. Greatness sometimes is discomfort, you know. No matter how, I mean, it, I, you know, we butchered, you know, seventy chickens in the past two weeks, and it's not, it's not a super amount of work, but it's a lot of work. It's hard work. You're up on your feet all day and everything, and but you know, and it's just like, man, I wish there was a different way. Yesterday, you know, I'm driving back from Corpus Christi, and Suzanne texts me. She's like, you know, the turkey case is broken, and this and that, and it's just like. Oh, I hate farming, but you know what? I got home fixed it. You know, it's what I had to do because it's you know it's what we have to do. You know, I, I think I think the biggest thing is we're still too comfortable, and nobody nothing's going to happen until. Well, the thing is, how many people are going to die because they're too fat and lazy to, or not fat, but just lazy to get you know get out of the way. You know, so well, I, you know what? I, if you watched an episode of, of South Park that they came out with two days ago, uh, across <laughs> the Panderverse, it was uh, 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 okay. The whole thing begins with with the character Randy Marsh. The oven door in the Marsh pot farm. What's it called? Tegrity. I think it's called Tegrity. The the the. Anyway, the oven door gets loose. It's not even falling off. It's just loose. And the and the, Mrs. Marsh is like Randy. Can you fi- please fix the oven door? And the, and he and he calls the kids together. He calls Stan and the, whatever the, the the daughter with the with the the braces brace is. Calls and goes, kids, there comes a time when things when we ha- have to learn to repair things in a home, and we have to learn to repair them because we can't always go out and buy new things. Okay, so 
This oven door is broken. You can see that it's, it's very loose and it's not making a good seal and your mom can't break things in it. So we're going to fix it. And then the kid's just staring and bug-eyed and he goes like, don't you want to know how we're going to fix it? And Stan goes, uh, okay, Dad. Here's how we're going to fix it. We're going to pick our smartphone up and we're going to go, Siri, find me a handyman near me. <laughs> And Siri goes, oh, here's the number of the handyman. And he goes, okay, kids, see this? Now, this is how we're going to fix it. Siri, call the handyman. And then he calls the handyman, and the handyman goes, uh, comes over to fix it and find out that, that uh, the part that he needs, he's going to have to go to the Home Depot to pick it up. And I'll be back in about three weeks. I'm kind of got a full schedule. And that kind of starts the whole thing where every man in South Park is a bougie development dwelling, white collar, useless, useless when it comes to masculine things around the house. Can't even change light bulbs. They need a handyman for it. Now, it was a funny, it was funny, but it, it, it's, that's satire. It's fu funny because it's largely true, Mittermundy. Well, that, that, I'm, Brian's got it right on the head. I mean, you know, I, I, I tell you, I don't know how many people, you know, got a little tight there. Everybody got a chicken coop, got chickens. You've heard me say it before. And they said, gee, these eggs cost us $30 a dozen. And we couldn't go to that party because the chickens got out. And we couldn't go down the shore because nobody watched them. And then they get rid of Because <laughs> they had to say, you know, you, you work your way in. You know, I'm going to try. I just finished watching the sixth season of the Waltons. And I, tell, I write a lot of little things down in my notes. Grandpa Walton, remember Zebulon Walton? He made one simple statement. Yep. He said, you know, there's love and there's hard work. And that's about it. There's love and there's hard work. And that's about that's it. about it. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to Grandpa Walton. To... There's love and there's hard work. Uh, well, uh, back to the, the question about the South Park episode, uh, uh, Brian. You probably haven't seen it. You probably won't watch it. But there are there's so many men out there uh, that have just become bougie development dwellers. And it's true. Can't fix anything. I mean, I know my limitations. Like when it comes to electricity, I go like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I am not touching it. Well, simple things that, are, that have to do with water uh, plumbing. If it's simple, I, I would do it. But anything that's complicated, like, nope, nope, I'm not going to do it. Uh, but building things and fixing things around the house, I pretty much can fix anything else and, and have the tools to do so. But the parody that they made on South Park of just how useless your average American white-collar male is um, was was very well taken. And I think just for that part, everyone ought to watch the episode. But this really is a, a, a tragedy of sorts because not only can't men fix things, but they don't think that it's their duty. I think the, the, the real tragedy of it is they don't think it's their duty to be able to or even be prepared to do these things around the house. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, it, it goes back to, you know, they, you know who, who am I going to call? What am I going to look up? Ghostbusters. You know, <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not going to lie. I mean, when it comes to some things, I'll, I'll, I'll pull up YouTube and find, you know, how do you fix this? But then I end up fixing, you know? I mean, I, I, I mean, my truck's been sitting in my driveway for, since July, because I'm trying to narrow down, it, it's electrical, 
and oh, is this the starter know, issue? Yeah, it, well, I don't even know if it's the starter now. Uh, now the, the the key. Where has Busted Knuckles been? Well, he's he's busy. He's, he's a foreman now at, at Nissan over there, and he's helped me out. But it's just it, it, the thing is, is you know, narrowing it down and, and everything, and, and you know, it's. I, I had a I know guys who had a similar situation with his Dodge pickup, and it was in the shop for two months. And they thought it was the computer. They thought it was the you know this and that. And it turned out that it was some wires that a rat chewed up. Problem is, I can't sit down and dedicate three or four hours just to dig through that stuff because I got fifteen thousand other things going on on top of. Well, there are some things when you do need expertise and people that do this. Yeah, like yeah. I said, for the electrical wiring and, and the hardcore plumbing, I I don't do it. Let me let me switch gears here because I think the time time of the year is nigh. Brian K. in the South, you and I are on parallel latitudes. Is it too late to put broccoli and cabbage and other late fall crops into the ground? No. you uh, Where we are, you can do that in stages, and you just you can do it all the way. I, I like the the last time I plant, you know, stuff like that is uh, middle of February. Oh, okay. I, I did that. I did that last year, and I planted, and I had I had one of the best radish crops I ever had, and uh, we made lots of broccoli, uh, quite a bit of cabbage. Uh, it's getting pretty soon on your short day onions to get them in the ground. Uh, I started. I tried to start some seeds the other day, and not a, no one seed came up out of a tray of 162. And I'm thinking, what in the world's going on? So I, I, I don't know what that. But fortunately, my feed store has the the onion set, and they're still at a pretty decent price. I think they're around three dollars a set of 75 or 80 or something like that. So that's 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 you know, I, I can live with that. So, but you know, it's, it's coming up. I, I think. Where I live around Thanksgiving is like when I when I like to get my short day onions, and that's your like your ten fifteens and your yellow granite, a lot of your red onions. Uh, there, there's different types, uh, so, so you have that. And uh, cover crops, if you, if you're able to feed in some cover crops, even even further north, you know you can still get some in, and as long as you get a root going. Uh, that you know that seed you know that that root will be dormant under the snow or whatever. And when the spring comes and melts off, your cover crop is uh, ready to, you know, jump out of the ground and, and do some work. So you, you can do that. Uh, I think what else? I mean, even well, I have a tray. I, I started it just the day that we see. We got back last Sunday, so uh, following Tuesday. So I no Wednesday. I'm lying. So it was Wednesday. Uh, I have 36 pods. I have a grow lamp on top of it. I have planted 36 little broccoli seeds, what I uh, heirloom, uh, what I had left. It came out to exactly 36 because the rats or the mild mouse, whoever, that was uh, terrorizing my garage. We killed them all. Uh, ate the, uh, the the seedlings. And uh, I went and looked this morning. I have about eight. I have about a 50% sprout rate already. So I think that my little broccolis are going to come up. Um, uh, and I imagine that in two weeks or so, they'll be tall enough for me to actually put into the ground. So that was a question I'm asking. I'm not too late on that broccoli. No, not at all. Okay, I'm good. If you, want to, if you want to get some more started after you do this, you know, if you have the space, do it. So stagger it in. Yeah, yeah. All your, all your greens like that. Uh, you know, your brassicas, what I call, you know, cabbage, broccoli. I got cabbage broccoli. in the ground. 
great. Only, but so only three of 18 seeds germinated. It was I was really surprised. Maggie and I planted them in, what, the first week or second week of September. And only three out of 18 seeds germinated and, and sprouted. Might have been a bad batch of seeds. It could have been. I'll tell you what, I had some hell with some uh, green, you know, cabbage and broccoli and stuff. It came up real nicely, but then they never grew. And they never got past, and I, and I didn't I didn't do anything differently than from what I, you know, what I've done in the past. I don't know if I'm getting some soil that's got some, you know, some, you know, uh, trace uh, herbicides in it or something. You know, that's starting to show up in a lot of your compost soils and, and uh, potting soils because uh, so much of the hay is tainted with uh, grazon and uh, other pechloric acids and stuff. So it's a... Uh, you know, it's it's getting to become a challenge even to start your own. I, I think I might direct sow some stuff into the ground now since it's kind of well. I don't know. I'd say it's cooling off. We're to, we're I'm told we're going to have a high of 89 Tuesday and Wednesday. So <laughs> here we go, right back we, back into back into back into the weather panderverse now. <laughs> yeah, 35 yesterday morning and 90. 90. I don't know whether to drink whiskey or beer, you know, I'm confused. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, on, on, on my two acres out at Walsingham West, uh, I'm going to have uh, about 1.75 of those two acres covered with foot-tall Bahia. Um, uh, I can have, I can ask father-in-law to cut that down or I can borrow his uh, zero turn. That's good for cover hay, is it not? It's excellent. Okay. Excellent. Especially because it's grown there. And so. And I know there's no spray on this going on any of that. That's all nat- El natural. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's good grass. So. Okay, so we know where we get the hay to, to cover up for the potatoes. All right, we're going to wrap this up because as you're on the road, and Mitter Monday is out there. Uh, Mitter Monday, uh, in the northern climes, uh, you're getting ready for uh, for old man winter to set in. You've already complained about how cold it is. Um, do you want anyone to contact you about if they would like to get turkeys from you this uh, this Thanksgiving? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I still got I, uh, I still got at least fifteen that I can get rid of, and people have kind of canceled out on me this year for what whatever reason, I think they're too comfortable. Meterpol, uh, plead! I, 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 I think last time we brought it up, a number of people who have, they called me, so I got them on the list, but anybody else that's interested in the area, turkeys, and then I know the last of the grains are coming in here. I did see hay, just the last of the hay, what, last week or the week before. And remember, as soon as the turkeys are gone, it's time to slaughter pigs, and then it's time to get ready for the, the pens and everything ready for the spring, because there'll be lambing season, so there's there's always something to do, Medicare. Yeah, no, I know. I know that there's always something to do. Uh, I'm sure Oliver, Oliver would, would be working Green Acres. <laughs> it would be working it very hard. Um, so as we get, the important thing to take away from this, uh, folks, uh, as we get to this time of year, the, the, the very middle, if you will, of fall before winter gets here, is that uh, if you've chosen a homestead, or even if you just have a little bit of plot even if you have a porch that you're working you know the the buckets of land that uh, that you uh, that you're working on your porch and brian can uh, comment on this and it could be the final uh thing that we'll comment on year round you're always working something 
Now, if you planted well in the spring and you've got decent rain and you're not stressed out about 105 degrees and no rain for 30 days and you're, you know, you're getting your intermittent rains as you need them um, uh, and you've planted smart and you've done cover cropping, uh, especially if you're working land and not buckets on your back patio, you're really not doing an awful lot of weeding. You know, people have this thing, they're like, we're gonna get out there and it's gotta be barren, we have to have weeds. No, no, you need to get adjusted and prepared. So, so Brian, uh, in the South, uh, in addition to clover, which I'm going to plant, uh, what are the other cover, cover crops on land that I, on, on beds that I know that I'm not gonna be planting anything in until February or so? What, other, what else can you plant in those? Because uh, uh, here in the South, it's gonna grow, uh, that you call a cover crop. Uh, cereal rye is a very good one. It, it can survive the temperatures down to, uh, you know, 20, 20 degrees. Um, but hairy vetch. Um, the vetch, yes. The vetch works very yeah. well. Vet, vetch and rye is probably your best you're probably your best combination of cover crop. But you can't ever go wrong with clovers, especially because it, it grows really easy. You know, it's easy to germinate. But, uh, you know, I, I like to have a good mix of uh, grass and, and broadleaf and legume just because you have, you know, we're getting all a little sciencey here, but you have that carbon to nitrogen ratio where you, you want it to not break down really fast. And being in the south and warmer soils and stuff, we break down a lot of stuff really fast. So, so, so w- w- it, what is a legume that's a cover crop? Clover. Oh, your, clover your, is a legume. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It fixes nitrogen. But uh, clover, uh, winter peas, vetch. Uh, um, you know, there's 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 a few of them out there that are good for cool seasons. So, uh, and even if you're further south, like in Florida, you might be able to get away with some warm season stuff like a, a sun hemp or a, or a sorghum sudan or something like that because you might not see a a frost and then you know when it's time to do it you just time to terminate it you cover it up and kill it and that's going to give you know those those grasses mixed in or we're going to give you a lot of biomass which you want to keep that ground covered and it suppresses weeds and and even you know the rye itself uh, has that what we call the allelopathy where it 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 shuts off other plants from growing so uh you can you can definitely uh you know, use those to your advantage. But uh, I think, you know, a very easy one, and it's pretty accessible, is a, a, a cereal rye and hairy vetch. I think that, that's, that's it's, it's probably the best all-around cool-season cover crop uh, uh, that, you, that you can use. And uh, it's still fairly inexpensive to get the seeds and stuff. So that, that's what I would my best recommendation. All right, brother. Thank you. Sounds good. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. God bless you. Mid or Monday. Uh, I don't know that you do cover cropping up in the north there. There's a winter rye and wheat that we put on. Uh, I don't see it as much on the monoclot covers, monoculture covers as I used to when I was a kid. I do it, but uh, a lot of these farmers, they want to be like five-month farmers. They plant, they grow, they harvest, they go down to Arizona for the rest of the, rest of the year. Sounds good. 
All right. How do they contact you? Uh, or you can go to uh, uponthesrocks.co for the much maligned and hardly ever used now. I don't even mention it. Uh, 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 trade and uh, uh, and farm. Um, oh, gosh. What do we even call it? Directory. The trade and farm directory is at uponthesrocks.co. It's free. There's a couple hundred listings there. You can find Mitter Money and Mitter Coke's uh, contact info there. All of you should register your farms. You should name them and register them at their registry. And maybe we just need to do a better job of promoting that. Um, but outside of that, uh, where is the old farmer hiding out with his turkeys? Well, probably the best thing would be uh, the old farmer at protonmail.com. There you go. That would be the old farmer at protonmail.com. All right. Or you can always write me. I am King Dude. No one ever does, but you could. And I can put you in touch with both. All right. Both of you. God bless you. We'll see you next week. God bless you, Mike. God bless. All right. Thank you.